This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio, Season 6, Episode 2. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 2 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. And I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And today we are having a second round conversation with Sylvia Martinez. You might remember her from a couple of seasons ago. She's the co-author with Dr. Gary Steger of the book Invent to Learn, Making, Tinkering, and Engineering in the Classroom, a book that's been called the, quote, Bible of the Maker Movement for Classrooms. A former aerospace engineer, Sylvia speaks and writes about the world to advocate for authentic learning using real-world design principles, modern technology, and hands-on experiences. She is also (laughs) a popular speaker on topics of design thinking and making, the lessons for schools from the global maker movement, innovative schools, STEAM, and gender issues in technology. Sylvia was president of Generation Yes, a nonprofit organization evangelizing student leadership for tech-savvy youth for over a decade. Prior to this, Sylvia oversaw product development, design, and programming for consumer software, video games, and educational games at several software publishing companies. She started her career as an electrical engineer designing high-frequency receiver systems and navigation software for GPS satellites. Welcome back to the show, Sylvia. Thank you. Glad to be here. So uh, we're so glad to have you back here again. And uh, let's help our listeners learn a little bit more about you by sharing how you got started with a personal story in this idea of the maker movement in education. As you could, as you just read my bio, you can see I've done a lot of different things. And um, the maker movement really for me was kind of a circle back to, to my first career as an aerospace engineer, where you know, we were inventing things that had never been done before. And I, I, I eventually, you know, started working with schools to try and bring real science and technology into classrooms. And when the maker movement came along, it just sort of brought everything together. It reminded me of how fun it was to make things when you had easy to access materials and you had, you know, a community of people all over the world who are excited about making new things. And, it just seemed like the perfect thing to bring into schools. Let's dive into your book and uh, the idea of terminology. So education has like all this terminology we throw around and half the time we really don't even understand what we're saying. It just happens to be the buzzword of the day. So in the title of your book, you've got some really powerful words, words like learning, making, tinkering, engineering. In the book, you do distinguish what you mean uh, by these terms. So help our listeners understand how you're framing some of those ideas. 
So, you know, the first part of the, the title, it, 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 we, we purposely made it about learning. This isn't about how to teach or how to use equipment. It's about learning. And once you, if you have, you know, if you think about what you mean by learning, a lot of the things you do in the classroom start to become a lot clearer. So the, the making, tinkering and engineering are kind of lenses to, to look at those practices and, and products and, uh, you know, the spaces we learn in, you can think about just making stuff. You know, the joy of making things is, is immense. Human beings are making machines. We love to make things. We, we, we look at the world around us and say, what can we do better? What can we make to solve this problem, to make our lives better, to be more beautiful? Um, and tinkering, I think, is something that's under... Uh, uh, not understood and underutilized in schools. The idea that you can just sort of play around with ideas, with with technology, with tools, with paper mache, um, is a process that artists understand deeply. But we we forget to apply that in in schools. We sort of think of tinkering as a, you know, there's a guy in his basement making something that all by himself and. In, it's not that way. You you have to tinker with ideas. You have to take risks. It's not just fooling around. It's not just goofing off. But it's purposeful working through multiple ideas, and and gradually making process towards some goal. Now you may change your mind. You may uh, you know take a different tack. You may start over. But all of it is done with purpose and and thoughtfulness. And then engineering is a term that. Uh, it's it's this hands-on science, this this the the end goal of making things in the world that really work, where you use everything you know, the math, the science, the artistic vision to make something in the world that that actually works. And it's a scary word because we don't teach it in schools. It's like, oh, engineering is something you do after you graduate from high school, when in fact it should be all through school. So those words we did choose them with purpose and. Um, you know, we hope that we we capture all of this sort of the excitement and the passion and the art and the vision and the, you know, being the best human you can be uh, in the various things that we talk about in the book. So going back to the book, it's been five years since the first ed- edition of Invent to Learn um, and you've updated it. So what's changed in the areas of fabrication, physical computing, programming and stuff, as you call it? Yes, so um, we we did uh, update the book. The second edition came out. Uh, it's it's almost completely revised now. A lot of the revisions are kind of obvious. Laser cutters have started to to become more prevalent in schools. the The way you do three D printing has gotten simpler. The software has gotten better. the The robotics, the choices for robotics in the classroom have exploded. So we wanted to make sure that we had the latest and greatest and the, the sort of a curated collection. Um, the, the, the problem for the stuff was five years after the first Invent to Learn, instead of there being barely anything to talk about, now there's almost too much to talk about. Uh, we start, sort of solved that by trying to just, you know, uh, do a curated collection of, of products and technology and software. Um, but then having a lot of stuff online. So the inventtolearn.com website has a lot of resources that we decided not to put in the book because, you know, it's not a catalog. We want people to read it. <laughs> the, um, the, the first part of the book, remarkably, 
didn't change a lot. I mean, the pedagogy, the how to do it in the classroom, the how to connect the ideas of project-based learning and traditional progressive, traditional progressive education is sort of an oxymoron, but, you know, progressive education, those haven't changed. So we just tried to sort of update the examples, strengthen some of the things that we thought might have not have been clear. Um, and we also wrote a preface talking about what's happened in the last five years. So I'm curious, if all those things have changed, do you find that that conversation around that sort of progressive vision for learning and tinkering and engineering, and is that becoming more dominant? Are there more people sort of getting on this way of thinking? Is it, is it starting to gain more and more momentum over those five years, do you think? I believe it is. I believe that people quickly realize that you can't just buy things and, and expect change to happen. Um, it's, it, you know, going shopping has never <laughs> solved educational problems. It never will. Uh, it's fun. I love shopping, you know, who doesn't, but, um, I think a lot of people said, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll buy a 3d printer. We'll put a, make a maker space. We'll do this and we'll do that. And then, then you, then comes the part where you have to think about what is, what's going to change in the school. Mm -hmm. Does it mean, how do the kids access this stuff? How does it integrate with the other subjects and classes? Uh, how do we deepen the experiences over time? Where do we go from, from, from here? So I think I have those conversations every day with, with educators all over the world. So what would be some of the ways that we might find in the book that we as educators or those people who are listening who want to move in this direction, how do we create, how do we, what's our, what are some first steps to creating those opportunities for learners um, to make tinker and engineer? Well, I, I think, I think the, some of the first steps are just to try some things. You know, this isn't like a five-year plan where you know exactly what's going to happen and as if those ever work. Um, you know, and then execute the plan, um, you want to just try some things. Oftentimes what, what teachers tell me is they, that the kids start to see that the possibilities of what they're doing. And then the, the, the next idea comes from the students' mm -hmm. interests and passions and thoughts and, and desires. Um, you know, there's a thousand different ways that schools have implemented these maker programs you know, in class, in a separate makerspace, in the library, after school, um, you know, th there's just so many ways to do it. So I think just getting started, just not being afraid to just sort of take a stab and then, hey, if it doesn't work, we'll think about it, we'll talk about it, we'll figure out how to, how to do it again. It's, it's, it's iterative design for, for teachers too. I think that idea that you said too, what comes from the students after you do that, like seeding that control and and letting them inquire and investigate mm -hmm. and, and learning from them as well and, and going with the flow and helping, you know, being sort of co-designers along with them and having that learner voice in there is important. Absolutely. I think for a lot of teachers, um, you know, the, the excitement comes from seeing those light bulbs go off mm -hmm. or for hearing a student say something, you know, I have never thought of that and having the space and the flexibility to incorporate those ideas you know, and, and it takes time because in a lot of, a lot of the school day, students know what their job is. You know, they, they know what's expected of them most of the time and they sort of fall into habits like we all do. You know, they, they expect the, they wait for the assignment. They know there's going to be a list of what to do that they do it. 
and then they move on. And so kind of breaking them out of their habit where you're, you're actually listening to what they say means that they have to feel comfortable in bringing up things that might seem out of the box. And that's sort of a chicken and egg situation where it just takes time for everyone to trust each other and, and say, yeah, we can, we can spend another day doing, looking at this or that. And then they'll come up with even crazier things. <laughs> so you mentioned you couldn't turn the book into a, a catalog, but you did manage right. to uh, stuff an entire chapter with resources and then uh, accompanied that with a pretty robust companion website at invent to learn, which at inventtolearn.com, which you also mentioned. Can you share some of the goodies our listeners might find there? Oh, sure. Um, every, everything that's mentioned in the book is on the website plus more. So, you know, all the, the vendors and, and how to buy stuff and, and recommendation and review websites and, um, you know, educator websites. There's in the last five years, there's been a number of people who've, who've created excellent resources about what they do in their schools, sharing it with the whole world. And they're, they're fantastic resources. Um, we, on, we put up all of the shopping lists of products that we recommend. Uh, the handouts that we use for our workshops are all free to download. Um, we have, you know, the slides that people are always taking pictures of with their phone you can just download them right off the website. <laughs> and then I, we also did a section on research because in the past five years, there's been a lot of new research. And when people say, hey, what's the research basis for doing this makerspace? Well, the last five years, there's been so many new things. So I did sort of a curated um, section of quotes and, you know, ideas for how to use some of this research to justify what, what you know, is happening in schools and, and ways we can do it better. Well, I love all these ideas because uh, I think they're, we're personally connecting with them because they're, this is the kind of stuff that we're trying to do more and more of here um, within our own district. And I know a lot of our listeners are also uh, engaged in this idea of around making and tinkering and engineering as well. So mm -hmm. appreciate all that good work that you've shared with us. Well, we want to help you be advocates for, for the ideas that, that inspire you and, you know, make schools a better place. So tips, tricks, research, all that kind of stuff. There's, there's a lot of new stuff in, Invent in the Invent to Learn second edition. And we can see how it's the Bible for doing this kind of work. That's a, that's a great quote. That's a great quote. So as we enter the last lap of our interview here, um, we have a section where we ask our guests, our guests for some rapid responses to uh, a series of questions. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about the maker movement in education? So uh, I'm going to cheat and give a, a, an answer that's actually a lot of experts. The, the, the global distributed expertise in this field is amazing. And it's, it's, a lot of it is gathered around the hashtag MakerEd. So, you know, pound sign MakerEd is a fantastic resource of people putting up ideas and and projects and pictures and they're it's inspiring and you know stories about what's happening in their schools so so there's you know the the idea that there's one expert to go to is has been blasted away by you yes. know what's going on and uh, on the internet yeah social media does that i love that answer mm -hmm. if you were recommending one book to our listeners what would it be besides your own 
Um, so there's a book that I've really been, you know, showing to a lot of schools and working with, with a lot called um, Visible Learners by uh, Mara Kachevsky, because a lot of people have the question about how do you know? How do you know what's going on? How do you assess this? Mm -hmm. And this book, I think, is is absolutely fantastic for getting down into the specifics of that in a very progressive, supportive way. It, it's not just, well, we do a project and then we take a test. We, you know, it's it's really integrated with, with what the students are doing. And it's not visible learning, the John Hattie book. It's visible learners. It's mm -hmm. about learning, which I think, again, is that important distinction right. when yes. we're, we're not talking about teaching, we're not talking about research, we're talking about what learners do and what happens inside of the learner when they're presented with these kinds of opportunities. Ooh, can't wait to get that one. <laughs> and last question, what online site resource or person do you learn from regularly? So um, there's a couple of, uh, there's a lot of places. One is uh, there's a website, a, a Google group called k12makers.com. And it's, there's thousands of maker educators from all over the world gather and it's a really lovely group. Nobody yells at you because you asked the question the wrong way or, you know, those other online forums that are mean. Um, it, and people, people ask questions about curriculum and tools and, and they have ideas and they share resources. It's a, it's a really lovely resource. I learn a lot from them. I learn a lot from the Fabler and Fellows. So this is a, a, a group that I've been working with, sort of mentoring um, these global educators, and, and we try and write and disseminate resources. We've published two books so far, Meaningful Making and Meaningful Making Two, which is a compendium of their writing about what they do in their classrooms all over the world. I mean, this is every kind of classroom, every kind of demographic, tiny maker spaces, built, you know, fantastic built out maker spaces. Um, what people are really doing around the world. And then I, I think I learn a lot too from the, the working with our authors at Constructing Modern Knowledge Press. So that's kind of like uh, what another thing that happened after the first edition of Invent to Learn is teachers came to us and said, I do this, I, you know, there's a new name for it, making, but I've been doing this for a long time. I want to write a book. And I'm like, yes go ahead, you can write a book. And they said, well, we don't want to publish the book. So Gary and I formed a publishing company called Constructing Modern Knowledge Press. We just released our 12th title called The Art of Digital Fabrication by Aaron Riley, which is an absolutely gorgeous book that hits squarely on the idea of what STEAM really means. It's not about decorating a science project. It's really about integrated artistic and design processes um, that also teach science and math and, and, and engineering. Um, every day I work with my authors, I've got books coming that I'm working right now on biomaking, on uh, projects for microbit, on scrappy circuits like low cost electronic circuit design. So these authors are share, you know, as, as they're creating these books and I'm kind of working with them on an editorial fashion, um, I'm finding out the remarkable things that are happening in real schools all over the world. Sounds exciting. Along with all the traveling and presenting and uh, workshopping that you're doing, sounds like your, your life and schedule is pretty full. 
it's it's been an exciting six years and and you know it's the the excitement continues it's just it's so rewarding seeing what people are doing all over the world you know um one of the things that we wrote about in the preface was the idea that when people say that schools can't change i will never believe that anymore because i've seen it mm -hmm. when people make up their minds and say we're going to make our school a better place it happens there's there's no magic formula there's no special framework it's just people putting one foot in front of the other and saying how are we going to make this happen it, it's not an excuse that we tried it before it's not an excuse that we don't have money it's not an excuse that we don't have time we're just going to do it and the the persistence and the passion of of students and teachers is it's just remarkable Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate the uh, those thoughts about this is work that we can do if we're willing to really commit to doing it. And that's the bottom line, right? No Absolutely. excuses. <laughs> so what's next for you, Sylvia? What are you working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, you mentioned the construction, Constructing Modern Knowledge Press and looking for some new books on some pretty interesting and diverse topics. Um, yeah, is there anything so else you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, the, the books are definitely a, a big project. I'm looking, always looking for new books, thinking about writing new books. Um, we have a, a lot of stories from our summer institute, our professional development workshops that we do. Uh, we just did our, summer, our 12th summer institute, Constructing Modern Knowledge this summer, and trying to collect those stories and talk about professional development that really works, that matches the kind of progressive in invention design focus that that you know schools can bring back to, to to their schools so so that's a a new focus and then um you know working with more schools i'm leaving for italy to do a bunch of workshops and go to conference in germany and you know then we'll come back and and uh, start a whole new round of professional development with schools all over the world well, thank you so much for joining us, Sylvia. You're having quite an impact here locally, and it sounds like you have some international opportunities as well. Well, thank you for, for the invitation, and uh, I look forward to all of your podcasts. Wonderful. To learn more about Sylvia's work, you can visit some of the items in the show notes. We link the book she mentioned, the um, Meaningful Making and Making and Meaningful Making 2, uh, lots of resources there that Sylvia shared. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about, provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, how might you use Invent to Learn to encourage making, tinkering, and engineering in your learning environment? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources to share today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 6, Episode 2. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring an innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Sylvia. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments, 
You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.